The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Welcome back, everybody, to the Sell Better Daily Sales Show, where we bring you daily sales advice to help you sell better. I'm your host, Adrian Saya, and today we are here to talk about the four simple step process to overcome any objection. You got objections. We're going to show you how to overcome them with the greatest framework. Now, everyone's got objections out here, but we also want to know where are you tuning in from? Let us know in the chat. We're usually worldwide and I love to see it. So go ahead and throw that in the chat and but be sure that you set your channel to everyone. So go ahead and press that blue button and switch it to everyone. That way we can all see where you guys are from. Now, I also want to know, are you guys struggling with objections? We'd love to hear from you all. Throw one in the chat as well. If you guys are just struggling with objections all of the time, because I know I've been there myself and it, it is not fun. So <laughs> already seeing some ones here. Love to see it. We got Barcelona, Spain. Alex, welcome. Faith from New York. Love to see it. And Kelly from Escabana, Michigan. Welcome. Love to have you guys here. Now, who are today's speakers? We have Hannah Morris. She is a director at Let's Trail Blaze. And Tom Alamillo, he is a founder over at TA Sales. Now, Tom, how does how do you overcome the fear of handling objections? Yeah, uh, well, first of all, I'm glad to be here. Uh, usually objections can, can make you feel like Eminem and lose yourself, like knees weak, arms are heavy, you know what I mean? Um, and so I think what one of the things that we wanna focus on today is reframing your mindset to view it as a positive, to view it as uh, you know something that's actually going to get you closer to closing a sale. So you want to welcome the adversity. You want to welcome the questions. We'll get to that, uh, I think, in, in a couple minutes of this is actually going to bring me closer to a deal, closer to quota, closer to whatever my goals are uh, to hit President's Club. All right. Fantastic. Now, before we begin, if you're looking to level up in 2023, we are here to help you with our Sell Better Daily Sales Show our membership with instant access to training and resources, and our corporate sales training for you and your team. Be sure to check us out with scanning this QR code right here on your screen or at sellbetter.xyz. And of course, we wouldn't be able to do this without our partner, Zoom Info. Thank you, Zoom Info. Love to have you guys here. And of course, our drop of the day. Wouldn't be it without the drop of the day. We have an objections cheat sheet. I'm gonna go ahead and drop the link in the chat. It is going to be 50 common objections that you'll encounter in the sales process and how you can get over them. So be sure to check that out. I'm going to drop the link in the chat right now and go ahead and get that. It's free. Now, what are we going to be speaking on today? What you should avoid when handling objections. These are really important. You want to start off the conversation right, but a lot of times we can get defensive. So we're going to talk about the things you shouldn't do first. Then we're going to show you a very simple four-step process that you can incorporate into your system that is a simple framework to overcome any objection. And lastly, we're going to do some live objection handling so you guys can see it in person what it's like to overcome these common objections. So before we begin, I want to know who is in the room? Do we have SDRs? Do we have AEs, frontline managers, or senior leadership? This helps tailor the conversation, guys. So if you select there's more SDRs, I'm going to be asking SDR questions. There's AEs, AE questions. So be sure to fill this out for me and let me know who is in the room. So let's get right into it. 
when you got a lot of objections, there are some things you want to avoid. Hannah, why should we be reframing our thinking when it comes to objections? Yeah, I think, hello everybody, by the way, uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening for wherever you're, you're coming in from. So, um, look, I think with objections, they um, are notorious for making us think that they are um, a bad thing. Uh, we kind of think, oh, this is a, a bad moment where we're going to be challenged, it's going to be uncomfortable. Um, what we first need to think about is that it's a moment that is going to be progressing us to an outcome. So whether that is um, a closed deal or whether it is an opportunity that's out of the pipeline, it's going to be progressing things forward, So, uh, which both are a positive. So there's loads of good things that can come out of being in that zone, which I think we're going to talk about now. But um, but yeah, it's a, a good place to be. So we need to embrace it. All right. Now, Tom, I'm seeing that there are actually an equal amount of SDRs and AEs in the room with some frontline managers around 12%. What advice would you give them when it comes to objection handling right off the bat? I mean, right off the bat, I think uh, to what Hannah's saying, uh, and we're going to get to some psychology behind this. But if if you could take one thing away, is just slow down. Slow down and stay curious, right? You hear an objection. Oftentimes, you might get anxious. You might get frustrated. You might be worried you're about to lose the sale. Or if you're an SDR, you're on a cold call. And you're like, shoot, I don't know what to say. The best thing you can do is just take a pause. There's actually some gong data uh, that that represents, I think, top performers pause six times longer than bottom performers uh, when it comes to when they hear an objection. So the best thing you can do is just take a second or two or three, take a breath and ask a question. If you don't know what to say, if you don't know how to respond, slow down, ask a question. We'll get to a framework that you can use it's, that's super easy to remember later. Uh, but when in doubt, take a breath, ask a question. All right. Yeah, that is such a brilliant point that Tom said there because so many people, it's so simple so many people just forget it and they just jump in too quick and it's such a, an important one to remember and hannah how about a blue and red mind map can you tell me more about this what is it exactly yeah so um it's a, a framework and a, a model that we use to visualize what is going on in our brain um so if we are in um the red zone uh, this means we are um, diverted, we are feeling anxious. Um, I think there's a, a visual going up on the screen now, isn't there? Um, and we are going to be feeling um, under pressure. We're not going to be sort of, we're focusing on the outcome and we're not go going to be doing our best work. Um, if we are on the flip side in the blue zone, this means we're going to be calm, collected, focused, and we're just focusing on acting we're just doing we're in the present that means that we're going to be more engaged in a conversation and we're going to be helping our um our customers a lot more we're going to be um handling those objections a lot more effectively and efficiently um so we need to think about when we're going into that red zone we need to catch ourselves and think right okay i'm in this red zone i now need to think about trying to get myself in the blue and that's what i'm going to do do my best work Okay, now I want to hear from our audience. Let me know if you have ever felt that you are just stuck in the red zone. Go ahead and throw a one in the chat. I would love to see it because this has happened to me before. You know, you just feel like you're, you're so anxious. You can't really get out of it. And when those objections start hitting live in a conversation, 
you get a lot of anxiousness. It just keeps building, right? So yeah. really transferring your mindset to that blue zone is a great way to do it. Now, how do you recommend people do this? Do you think they need to have an anchor for something that allow them to come to the state of mind that's a blue zone? Is it just like a snap of the fingers? Or I'm like, I'm blue zone now, let's go. What do you think needs to happen? Yeah, I mean, look, there's lots of different tools and strategies that you can use to transport yourself from the red into the blue. And one of the things we're going to go through in a little bit um, is the layer framework. So having frameworks, having structures, um, also just being prepared for a meeting. Um, you know, all of these things are going to help you transport yourself from the red in, into the blue. The other um, sort of tool we've got on the um, on the screen here is the control circles. Quite often when we're in that red zone, we're focusing on things that we can't control. And what we need to do is we need to focus on the things that we can control and the things that we can influence. Um, and then when we're focusing on that, we're going to be a bit calmer um, and then we'll be acting. And this is what it is. When we're in the red, we're sort of, we're thinking our diverted, our diverted thoughts, sort of thinking, can I, can't I? But when we're in the blue, we just, we're just acting. We're in the present and we're, we're sort of, um, we're acting, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Fantastic. Now, I want to hear from our audience one more time. How do these objections really make you feel? I think this is a really interesting question because it can give us an idea of what's really going on. Are you feeling nervous, anxious? Are you confident? You're coming at this like you're ready for war, you're ready for battle, or does it make you feel some other type of way? If so, let us know in the chat. We'd love to see it. Now, Tom, when it comes to what not to do with objections, a lot of people just accept the objection and kind of keep it going or don't keep it going at all. Why is this a bad move? Well, I think oftentimes the real objection lies behind the first objection that you hear, right? So uh, it's not a good strategy, in my opinion, to just accept the first objection, although that's easy. Let's say you're on a cold call and you know I call you up, Adrian, you say, hey, Tom, this just isn't a priority right now. Cool, man. Sounds good. I'll talk to you later. Hang up. That's easy because it's it's uncomfortable to kind of push back on that. Or we're on a demo, say, Tom, this looks great. We don't have budget for this. Okay, sounds good. Why don't I call you in six months and, and see if you have budget then, right? That that feels easier for me to do in the moment, but that's not going to help me sell more, right? What you want to do is not necessarily accept that. Um, and, and it's not in a, you know, Wolf of Wall Street, hey, we're going to jam something, you know, down someone's throat, but it's it's trying to understand what's going on behind that. It's like, oh, you don't have a budget. Like, t tell me a little bit more about that, right? You want to understand a little bit more and uh, there was a framework I heard from a, a colleague actually last week uh, that he says he wrote a, a personal goal. He wanted to hear three no's on every cold call before he would he would let it go, right? So he wanted to push, then he wanted to ask a question, then he wanted to try it again. If they said no, they want to try it again and, and, and dive a little bit further. And if it still is like, hey, look, this is just not a priority. This isn't the right time. We love the competitor that we're with right now, whenever. Then he's like, okay, fair enough you know, he's going to let it go. And I think that's just a good mindset to get in is that you don't want to just accept the first thing you hear. You want to stay curious and, and try to learn more about like, what's the objection behind the first thing that they're telling me. I like that. So you want to dig a little deeper, right? You can't just accept it from the first one because a lot of times objections are like onions. It's got to keep peeling them back. Peel them back, baby. Peel them back. <laughs> that one. And the word that Tom said there, which is spot on, is, is curious. Like be curious. 
Be inquisitive. Ask questions. Because even if it's not going to be a deal, you want to find out as much much of information as you can, which might help you with your other deals moving forward. So um, yeah, be curious. Now, I'm seeing here that from our question that we asked, a lot of people feel anxious. And from there, nervous. And then 17% felt confident. And for those who told us in the chat, they said, I feel all of the above all at once. So <laughs> I understand your perspective. So Hannah, when it comes to this anxiousness, a lot of times we do want to just accept what comes at us for the first time because we're just feeling kind of on edge. What could you recommend people do so that they're more state of mind so that they can keep digging deeper? Yeah, I mean, no, I just want to say to everyone that's sort of tuning in and that have, has given those answers, um, it's really normal to feel like that, really normal to feel like that, especially at early stages of your career or um, when you've not done it very many times. I have definitely felt like that many a time um, in my career, probably for years on end. Um, but what you then need to realize is that actually there are so many tools and so many strategies there to, to help us move past that. Um, and it begins with that, just repositioning it in your mind, as we said earlier on, that it is an opportunity to progress a deal, whether it's to an outcome of it being closed or an outcome of it's out of the pipeline. They're, they're brilliant outcomes. So, um, so yeah, as Tom said, like slowing down, engaging in it, and just focusing on the present of answering the question, like really listening to answer the question. Um, you know, that that's going to really help people just feel that little bit more confident, I think. All right. And Ty, can I add one thing there? Yeah, of course. So I had a uh, I had a sports psychologist on my podcast a couple of years ago. He works with the Seattle Seahawks and some Olympic athletes. And he told me confidence comes from three places. It comes from your past experience, right? So do you have experience in handling objections well? If you do, you're, you're more likely to be confident. If you're newer to sales, maybe you don't, okay? What's the next one? Your prep. How well do you prep? Uh, if it's a demo or like a scheduled call, how well do you know this customer you're talking to? If it's a cold call, do you have some maybe battle cards or just like some quick hitters of, hey, when they say this, this is something I can say. Are you studying that? Are you role playing? Uh, and then the third is, what do you say to yourself, right? What is What are you telling yourself about these objects? Like, are you saying, hey, I'm going to come on this cold call and I'm going to be dialed in. I may be playing some pump up music before. And you know what? I'm going to, whatever happens, happens, but I'm going to stay curious. I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to be engaged. Uh, and I can't control what they do, but I can control me and I'm going to come in like ready to roll. And, you know, if you focus on those three areas, uh, when it comes to objections or anything else in sales, I think you'll find yourself to get more and more confident. And then as you get the sets and reps and more and more experience, that'll help you as well. Yeah, I love all of those. And it just, it is practice makes perfect as well, isn't it? Like the first time you do anything, it's uncomfortable and it's a bit clunky and it doesn't always work that well. But when you just practice it over and over again, you're just going to get so much more confident. Those are those are brilliant three call outs there, Tom. Very good. Yeah, those are great. Everyone, if you're re-watching this, be sure to check that portion of the show out. The confidence, those three pieces of confidence to really boost your own ego in the call. You know, you got to feel good about yourself coming in. That way you're going to really hit the ground strong. And for those asking how you can rewatch this, you will get the recording after the show in your email. So be on the lookout for that. Now, Hannah, you said something earlier that really struck a chord with me, and that's that you need to actively listen. So why is this important? A lot of people think they're listening, right? When someone's talking and then they're just kind of getting it all in, they're like, yeah, I miss listening. But why are they kind of hitting the mark, not hitting the mark? 
Yeah, I mean, look, I think when when we are in that red zone, as we, we keep sort of referring to where we're a bit diverted, we're thinking more about the outcome. We're thinking more about, we're sort of, we're kind of stressed, right? And so we're not actually listening to what the client is saying, what they're not saying, what they want, for example. And if we're not really listening, we're not going to be able to treat the objection um, as well as we we possibly can and serve the client with with what they need. So we need to be, you know, listening to everything that they're saying, taking notes. Um, it's so, so important. So you can actually, yes, yeah, serve your clients well. I see. Now you say taking notes. I know some people uh, feel like they're not really giving the full attention to their prospect. How can they do this effectively while on a call, especially a Zoom call? I mean, look, it's, I just think the amount you go through, especially if you're doing a complex sale, the amount of information that we're going through, we're never going to remember it, right? And I always say to my clients, I'm like, guys, just to let you know, I'm if I'm looking down, it's because I'm taking loads of notes. I really want to make sure that I'm helping you as much as possible here. So I'm going to be taking lots of notes throughout our conversation. Straight away, and you've kind of explained to them what you're doing and why you're doing it, they're going to be super, um, you know, super relaxed with you doing it. So, so yeah, I think it's, it's just finding a rhythm that kind of works for you. Okay. Now, Tom. I, I just got one, one thing to add there. I was, yeah. I was out to lunch over the weekend and I ordered a chicken sandwich and the waiter did not have a pen or pad and he brought me out a cheeseburger. That is oh. like, that's kind of a cheesy example, but that literally happened. And look, I'm fine with a cheeseburger. That's okay. I'm cool with that. Um, but all you had to do was write down chicken sandwich. You know what I mean? Uh, it's so it's the same thing with a call. If you're on a call for five minutes on a cold call or 30 minutes on a demo, um, I mean, it's impossible to remember everything. So, uh, you just got to jot, jot it down, take notes. If you're using something like Gong, that's great too. But if you don't, you know, make sure you're jotting notes. Yeah. And, and just to kind of like add to it, one of the other reasons that I'm a big advocate for taking notes is when you're talking to a client, they might have a lot that they're saying and you might not want to interrupt them. So actually I will be listening really well, making notes on some of the points that they're saying, and then I might refer back to them in a few moments when they've finished speaking. Um, and look, then they, they love that you've listened and that you can remember the exact words that they've said, uh, what their priorities were. Um, so it really helps the sales sort of moving forwards. Fantastic. Now, Tom, I know you had a great framework when it comes to these objections. Um, can you tell me more about this four-step framework? Yeah, for sure. So uh, some folks might be familiar with this or, or something similar, but super simple. Uh, L-A-E-R, layer, layer, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, it stands for listen, acknowledge, explore, and respond. So I'll talk about each of these steps for, for a second. Um, so when we're talking about listening, you're actively listening, you're empathetically listening. You're thinking about being in the shoes of that person. If I'm talking to uh, a CRO, if I'm talking to a CIO and they say, Tom, I'm so busy. I don't have time for this. You know what? They're probably really busy. If I looked at their calendar, that's probably true. Like, let's have some empathy for these people, right? So, um, you know, you should understand that going into the call that that might be an objection you hear. The economy is burning down right now. People probably don't have as much budget as they had a year or two ago. That's probably something you're going to hear. So you want to understand that that is a legit concern, objection that someone might have. Second piece is acknowledge. The psychology of being a human is that everyone wants to see, everyone wants to be, uh, feel, seen, heard, understood. If you're talking to a salesperson, if you're talking to your spouse, if you're talking to a friend, uh, 
you want them and you're, you know, maybe venting about your day to your significant other or something, you want them to be like, man, Adrian, like that sounds like that was a rough day. You know, they put too much almond milk in your coffee. Like that sounds like that's brutal, man. You know, uh, so you want to make them feel understood. That might sound like Hannah, man, it sounds like you're, you're super busy right now. Like, man, that, that, it sounds like you're, you have a ton of hats you're wearing. Like, um, you know, is that right? You know, is it, is it, is that, am I getting that right? Or, you know, kind of like recapping what they said and making sure that you got it right down correctly. Um, and then it's exploring, right? So we've said the word curious about eight times on this webinar so far, and we'll keep saying it. You want to be curious and explore further into that. So if Adrian's saying, man, I just don't have budget for this. Okay, let's peel that back a little bit. Uh, do you really not have budget? Uh, do you not see the value in what we're talking about here and you think it's too expensive? Do you just want a discount? Do you just want a deal so you look good to your boss, right? There's a lot of reasons why someone might bring that up. So you want to explore and then only then do you respond, right? And then you have a possible solution. Hey, typically in these scenarios, we build out a business case. We can co-create a business case. We could present that to your CFO, Adrian. Here's what that might look like. Is that fair? Would you Would you be willing to take that step? Uh, and realistically, it might be more, it's not L-A-E-R, it might be L-A-E, 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 R, because you're going to keep asking questions and keep acknowledging. And only until you get really like to the core of the onion, so to say, do you want to offer a suggestion and, and respond. So I know that was a lot. No, that is a great framework and really breaking down how an objection can really be overcome. And with this framework, I feel like it doesn't really matter what the objection is. You can essentially get to the core of anything in that case. So I think that's another point that really needs to be driven home is that objections aren't always segmented, right? It's not just, oh, I'm just trying to overcome this objection or that objection. No, you're trying to develop the skill to overcome any objection. And this kind of framework can help you really get to that core. Now, Hannah, is there a part of this process that you love to use yourself? Yeah, there is. And just to follow on from what you said there, I, I think it's really important to highlight that that you're spot on that this framework can be used with any objection. And when we go into a conversation, knowing that we've got a framework that can help us no matter what the objection is, we're going to feel a lot more confident and a lot more empowered. Because I think that's one of the reasons why we feel so stressed and anxious about objections. It's the uncertainty around it, isn't it? Um, but whereas we, if we know we've got a toolkit that's going to help us, then we are, you know, we're in a good place. Um, but yeah, I'd say out of those four, I'm going to start right at the beginning. I'm going to say that listening is the most important thing. I think a lot of people think that sales is all about talking, um, but I would beg to differ and say that it's actually more about listening. The best salespeople that I've ever met in my life are phenomenal listeners. Um, you know, they're empathetic listeners, they're active listeners. And they're really listening to what the customer wants, doesn't want, um, you know, how they might be feeling, um, and then matches, you know, gives a solution that's that's relevant to them. All right. Now I want to hear from our audience. Is there a step in this framework where you feel you are really strong in? Go ahead and throw it in the chat. Is it listening? Is it acknowledging what your prospect has said? Exploring further or responding? Let us know in the chat. We'd love to see some of these answers. I feel like I've been a very strong listener, but you can definitely develop as you go with this framework, right? Understanding how to acknowledge, that's a skill that takes over time 
how to re rephrase what your prospect just said to a stronger degree is such a good framework and, and something to really keep in mind. So when it comes to really overcoming these different parts, um, we've talked about acknowledge, explore. Hannah, what kind of questions can someone ask to really dig deeper into an objection? Uh, let's say it might be budget, right? What could you really say to dig deeper? I think the first response is, okay, what do you mean by that? But I'm sure there's a better question to ask that can help really get to the core. Yeah, definitely. And I think, look, budget um, is obviously one of those ones that comes up time and time again, doesn't it? And it's it's sort of thinking about, um, you know, if they say something's too expensive or they don't have the budget, it's sort of thinking about, you know, expensive in, in compared to what or expensive in compared to actually what's the ROI that they're going to be getting from using your service and sort of illustrating that. And then all of a sudden, somebody then starts to think, oh, actually, maybe it's not as expensive. It's actually maybe expensive to not choose them. And actually, it's going to be a very worthwhile investment to to work with them. Um, but look, people challenge price for all sorts of reasons. So I think the key is to figuring out why are they challenging price? Um, and the answers to that lie within that initial qualification that you did of a client. You know, do they need what you've got? Do they want what you've got? Um, and and sometimes they don't have the budget, sure, but actually sometimes they just don't see the value. And we need to explain the value that little bit clearer, um, tell some brilliant customer stories and really help them visualize how you can help them. Okay. And Tom, when it comes to the respond portion of Lear, how do you know when it's actually time to respond? Like, what is the good timing and how can you fill that out? Well, I think it's more of an of an art than a science, but I, I think what you're trying to get, and it's it'll probably be a little different on, on a cold call uh, versus a 45-minute, you know, booked Zoom call because you have you have less kind of bandwidth on a cold call. You can't just, they, they have the opportunity to just hang up on you, I guess, you know what I mean? So um, I think you want to at least get to, um, it, do you think you can get to the root cause of what's going on, right? Um, so, you know, I, I, I feel like I can answer best in, in examples. You know, like if I was, when I was selling Gong, it's a pretty competitive market. Someone might be using a competitor. They've signed on for a contract. Okay. Uh, you know, it's easy to say, hey, I'm using your competitor. Uh, okay. Sounds good, Adrian. Uh, uh, hang up. Uh, but what you could say is, oh, interesting. How's it going with them? Right. You might say, you might say, hey, this is the best tech I've ever used. I'm never switching. Cool. I wish you the best. When's your when's the renewal up? Would you be open to to look just taking a glance at alternatives then? Um, and you might say, sure. You know, it's in it's in June. Okay, cool. Let's let's talk in, in April. Uh, but you might say, Yeah, it's good. It's good. I like uh this and this and this. And I might say, Oh, interesting. Is there anything that that it's not hitting on? Any anything that's falling short? Right. And you're trying to just kind of like poke the bear, trying to just like find an angle, find an angle. And once you feel like there's an angle, you're like, ah, man, the customer support of this company really kind of stinks. It's like, oh, interesting. How important is that to you? Oh, it's really important. You know, it's taking me all this time. Oh, interesting. I'd love to tell you a little bit more about this and how we've helped other customers in this area. It sounds really familiar. Would you be open to a call further to discuss like a 30 minute call, you know? And so I think it's more of a feeling that you have inside like, have I gotten to a point where I can make a move and it makes sense at a cat on a conversation rather than I'm just like forcing the info, you know, uh, at will towards someone. Okay. Yeah. That was brilliant. Uh, yeah. That was so, so good. It really like, it is about being curious. Um, and one last thing I would add, which I didn't say before and I should have done, this is so, so simple. And I do it literally 
all the time, nearly every week. If somebody does speak about pricing, I always say, okay, let's remove price off the table for a moment. Is this a solution that you want and that you need? Is this something that you would like? Mm. And if people are like, yeah, it is, I'd really love it. This is what I'd love. Okay. Then you know that price is the only objection. Um, whereas actually sometimes people might say, mm, actually, I just don't know if I need it right now. So then you know that actually it is that they don't need it or they don't want it or they don't see the value. So asking that really simple question is a big game changer. That is a great point out, Hannah. Even Vinny agrees we're here in the chat. He's saying this is a great point. Um, and he has some good questions here. He says, tell me, explain to me, describe to me. These are good questions to really get deeper into what your prospect actually means. So great point out, Vinny. Love that. Now, I want to hear from our audience. What objections are you all encountering the most? I know our economy is a little shaky. People are worried. So maybe it might be too expensive or budget. Are people just not interested? Are you getting the, send me an email? <laughs> I know I got that one quite a few times. Or is it something else? Go ahead and throw it in the chat. Would love to see it. Now, what better way to help see help people visualize what it looks like to overcome an objection than to just do it live? So we're going to get right into it right now. Um, some live objection handling. So Hannah, one of the biggest ones we get is I'm not interested. What is the best way to overcome this? I'm not interested objection handling. Yeah. I mean, so look, so it depends which, um, you know, where we are in a sales cycle, but I'm going to assume here that we are, um, you know, we've done a thorough qualification of a client. We know that they need and want what we've got. So if we've got to the end of a conversation, they've said to us, oh, I'm just not interested. If we've already kind of pitched, we know that they need what we've got. So what I would do with this, that scenario is very simply replay back the drivers and, and the things that they said they needed in the first place. Like what were the challenges that they, they are having and why were they buying in the first place and why were they talking to us and replay that back, um, but also get them to, to replay it. Um, and remind them of that because sometimes people sort of, you know, they're just, they're in that zone where they, they're sort of forgotten that actually there's a reason why they're talking, the reason why they need help. And then asking them the question, right, well, if we don't work together to solve those challenges, how else are you planning to solve them? You know, and saying like, just out of curiosity, how are you planning to, to, to solve that problem in your business? And then sometimes people go, deeper. say that again, Sarid. No, dig deeper from there. Yeah, dig deeper and, and get the clients to, to really think about what they're saying and, and, and think about where they're at in their business. And actually, when you sort of challenge that and get them thinking, sometimes they're like, oh, actually, you're right. If I don't work with you, I don't really have another option. And, and actually, I do need your help. So really simple. All right. And Tom, how would you overcome the not enough budget or this is too expensive? Mm. So let's say... Oh, Adrian, too expensive? Might mirror that back. And you might say, yeah. Uh, you know, there's a couple things you could say, right? You might say, yeah, uh, it's too expensive. We already made our, 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 you know, our budget for the year. We, you know, we, we've only got, you know, 10K left. It's already allocated. We could talk later in the year. Or you might say like, hey, uh, we're about to lay off 10% of our company tomorrow. And like, I've really, like, we really could, we do not have budget for new software right now. Um, or you might say, yeah, 
you know, we invested in your competitor and uh, or got a quote from them and they're half the price, right? And I show this to my CFO, there's no way we could pay double the price, right? And so what I might say is I say, Adrian, usually when we're coming to budget, it's usually one of th three things going on. Either one, you truly don't have the budget. I know we're in tight economic times. If that's the case, you tell me and I totally get that. The second option is like, we might just be a little misaligned on like what the value is here of what's going on. If, in which case, like that's that's my bad and I didn't do a good enough job. And we can dive into that a little bit more based on like what the goals are that you shared with me. Uh, or three, you might just be looking for a deal, right? You might just be trying to get a discount and uh, and that's fair. That's part of the game too. Like if you were to put yourself in one of those buckets, like where, where might you identify, right? Um, and you're kind of putting that back on them. And a lot of times, like, I truly believe if it's number one and they're about to lay off their, you know, people or it's a really tight time and like they really don't have budget, then you know what? I just found someone that's not probably a good prospect and I'm going to go spend my time on people that do have budget and that it's it's the right time for me to help them solve their problems, right? So it's the second best outcome of, of a call is like, I got to know. Um, if they want a discount, uh, then, you know, every company handles that differently, I guess, of like how, how you want to handle that. But if it's the value piece, then, you know, I actually was on a call yesterday and this happened. I'm like, you know what? I just really, I just said this out loud. I don't think I did a good enough job explaining like what the deliverable is here compared to like what some of those key challenges are with you. Do you mind if we like, we riff on that for a couple minutes and they smile, they said yes. And we actually got to a point where, um, you know, I think me being humble in that, and, and it was true, I don't think I did a good enough job, actually got us to progress the deal a little bit further. And so without knowing what the real concern is, how legit the objection is, what they want out of that, uh, it's really hard for you to respond appropriately. I really love how you said, I got these three buckets, which one are you falling into? Because yeah. it kind of just guides the conversation right away and puts them in a position where they have to admit what it is that is truly their problem. Yeah. So that is a great point out. It yeah, and, and I, I just see a, a question in the chat, like, would anyone actually admit to asking for a discount, though? Um, they might not say I'm looking for a discount, but when you're talking to someone in, like, uh, if you're an AE and you're talking to someone in procurement, or you're talking to someone in finance, and maybe they're not the ultimate decision maker, uh, they might say something like, uh, hey, I, you know, it's my job to, you know, make sure that our, our costs are as lean as possible, or, hey, I've got to present this to Hannah, the CFO, and this will like this much money will never fly. Like, how do we get this down? You know, like they might use language like that, which to me means, okay, they are interested, uh, but you know, they they're looking for a win. They're looking to show their boss that they got a win somehow. And that could be price, or that could be maybe you value add something. Maybe you add an extra month onto the contract. Maybe you give them a free pilot of some sort. There's there's plenty of ways that you can work with that. Um, but that is a common thing like in the procurement finance world that they're trying to get a win from you. All right. And as we know, nowadays, it seems like the CFO is becoming more of the final decision maker for a lot of tool buying decisions, uh, considering a lot of budget constraints nowadays. Now, Hannah, I'm seeing in the chat here from our results, a lot of it was pretty equal across the board. A lot of people are getting the not interested, too expensive, just send me an email. But in the other category, we got a lot of, we already do this in-house or we have something similar in-house. How do you overcome that? Yeah, so um, so look, I think with, um, we've got something similar in-house, I think it's going back to 
Um, look, why why are you speaking in the first place, right? Why have they come to you? There's got to be a reason why they're spending their time, why they've booked the call, while they're talking on the phone, you know. And you've got to um, be curious and, and understand that. And and then similar to what Tom said earlier on, like whether it's an in-house um, sort of um, option or whether it's they've got another competitor that they're using. It's finding out what are the the strengths and what are the weaknesses of of what they're currently using, um, and then you know asking them the question of you know in an ideal three world is there anything that you wish it could do? Are there any results that you wish it was providing for you? You know, and get them to live in that fantasy make believe world of like oh I dream it could do this and I wish we could have that and this would be amazing and hopefully something that they say is like oh brilliant I could solve that problem for you. You know, would you like that problem solved? How, um, you know, beneficial would it be if you solved that problem? How would it transform your business if you were able to solve that problem? How much more money would it make you if you could solve that problem? And then they're already justifying why they would want to use your solution. So there's loads of ways you can go, but they're just those simple little questions is getting them to visualize why it would be a better reality to, to, to work with you. All right. Now, everyone, we will be going to Q&A here very shortly. So go ahead and throw your questions in the Q&A. Is it another objection you want us to cover? Is it a deeper question? Go ahead and just throw that in the Q&A. Now, Tom, we have time here for one other one. And that is, this is not a priority for me. How do you overcome that? Well, if I was uh, if I was on a, a cold call, I might mirror back and say, oh, not a priority. And you might say, yeah, you know, uh, let's just say, um, I was sell. I saw someone in the chat as like a, recru- a recruiter or selling some sort of recruitment. Um, so like hiring people is not a priority. Oh, interesting, not a priority. Uh, and and they might say, yeah, and you know, we're really focused on A, B, and C, right? Uh, and so if I don't know if it's a priority, if I'm just calling them out of the blue, it's possible that it's not, right? And so it's possible that they say, yeah, look, we're not, we're not, we froze at hiring for the next nine months. Uh, it's not really a good time uh, for us to talk because of that, uh, and then it's not a priority. Okay, uh, that might be legit. If you're on a Zoom call, and let's say you're on a discovery call, and you're talking about it, and you're trying to close next steps, they say, you know what, Tom? Uh, yeah, actually, I'll take it. Like, this just isn't, I don't know if this is going to be a priority that we're going to push this through. I would go back to some of the questions I asked and said, it's interesting, Adrian. You told me, you know, that y- you, you have a, a headcount that you're trying to hit. Uh, your five sales reps short on your number for hiring for for Q1, uh, and you told me that you know if you delay in that process, every ramped month is about 10k uh, of revenue that they're going to drive. So we're talking about like a 50k problem a month, and you annualize that out, that's like 600 grand. Um, so I'm just curious, like, is that does that sound like a priority, or are there other priorities that are really like top head and shoulders above that? Um, and I think if you have done discovery with them before, it's a lot easier to go back and say, Hey, you told me this was a priority. Has something changed? Uh, if not, you know, let's, let's, let's align on that. Um, but it's, I think what you're trying to do in the case of a, of a cold call or the first conversation is really see if it is a priority. And if it's not, and you can't kind of like help them get to that being a priority, then again, you might need to disqualify and move on. All right. Now. I'm a, we got perfect time for Q&A right now. So well, let's just get right into it. Jace here asks, during a cold call, how soon do you pitch your product? And if you pitch towards the end, Lear, end of Lear, how do you get the prospect engaged so they're willing to answer your questions prior to pitching? How can you help them? 
Hannah, do you have any advice for Jace? Yeah. So, so if we break that down, so when, when do we pitch? Um, now I want to dial back to something that Tom said earlier on. He said it twice now. I just, I really, really want to emphasize it and highlight it. And everyone who's, if you've got a notebook there, you need to write this down because this is so important. As salespeople, the biggest time waster is us selling to the wrong people, people who cannot buy, will not buy. They don't need what we've got. They don't want what we've got. They can't afford what we've got. Do yourself a favor and stop selling to the wrong people. So with that there, with that objection, I will only ever offer my service once I fully qualified that they need it, they want it, and that they can afford it. Then I will pitch what it is that I've got. Don't pitch to everyone. No point. If they don't need it, they don't want it, like if they don't have strong drivers, if they don't have requirements, and you know that, you know, as Tom said earlier on, if they've just made massive loads of layoffs and budget has all been cut, don't waste your time pitching. Save your time and energy and move on. You know, that that's the thing. If somebody doesn't need what you've got, just don't pitch. Um, yeah, I'm really passionate about that because I think I see a lot of salespeople just wasting their time pitching to people that that don't need it, don't want it, and then they you know, they get ghosted or they're, they're, you know, back and forth over emails for like months and months and months. You know, I really like that. You got to come from a position of abundance and realize that there is so many more prospects out there who definitely need your product. And there's no point in trying to stake a circle into a triangle and trying to make it fit, you know, so it makes perfect sense. That's it. And the time that you're wasting selling to the wrong person is a time that you could be spending selling to the right person who needs what you've got. It's the right time. So, um, so yeah, I'm a big believer in you want to fail fast rather than lose slowly. So qualify exceptionally well, sell to the right people, and then, yeah, everyone's happy. Because your time is valuable. The customer's time is valuable. So respect that time and, yeah, sell to the right people. All right. And Tom... Uh, I see Tom in the chat here has a question mm-hmm. and he's asking best opener to go to cold call to get a real objection. So um, I'm thinking he means you got the opener, but what way can you do it so that you can introduce a, a real inter, inter objection from your prospect? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure that your opener is going to get to the real objection necessarily. So uh, like for example, at, at Gong, one of the things that we did was we called it a three by three. Uh, so there was like three reasons that you were engaging uh, on that call. So I might say, "Hey, Adrian, uh, saw you were hiring. Uh, you saw your post about hiring. You know, a bunch of new SDRs. Um, looks like you've had a lot of growth over at at uh, JB Sales. Um, I, I wrote you this this email the other day about you know uh, your love for the uh, the whatever the Miami Dolphins." Um, you got a quick set. My name's Tom, by the way, from Gung. Does that ring a bell? Uh, and you know, just kind of is the way to open up the call. It shows that I've done a little bit of research. And if you say, "Yeah, Gong rings a bell," then I might say, "Oh, interesting. What what have you heard about us?" Uh, more likely, they're going to say, "No." I'm going to say, "Cool. Um, look, I know I'm calling you out of the blue. Can I get 30 seconds to tell you why I'm calling you specifically today, Adrian?" Uh, and you know, then I kind of give them, you know, uh, probably a 15 second, you know, hey. Uh, a lot of leaders that we're working with right now have this pain point. This is how we're helping. Um, does that resonate with you at all? Right. Um, and so I don't think the opener is going to lead to the real objection. I still think you're the, it, that you could respond to that and say, hey, look, that's not a priority. 
hey, look, I don't have the time. I don't have the budget. Um, but in the, the opener is, is buying me another minute. That's all the opener is doing. The first 30 seconds is buying me the next 30 seconds. Then I'm trying to buy the next minute. Then I'm trying to buy the next minute. And then I'm trying to book the, the you know, a 30-minute call or whatever the, the end game is there. So uh, find an opener that shows that you've done a little bit of homework and something that's comfortable for you. You just want to be able to sound confident. And there's no like silver bullet to opening up a cold call. You just got to do something that feels good, lets you get in a rhythm, and uh, and try to start a conversation with them. All right. Thank you for that. Well, this sums up all we have, all the time we have for Q&A. Now, I always love to ask, Hannah, where can the people find you? Um, brilliant question. So uh, you can find me um, on LinkedIn, uh, Hannah Morris on LinkedIn. Uh, but also you can find me on Instagram, uh, which is at Let's Trailblaze. Um, or if you're in London, I'm in London, in Shoreditch. Um, and yeah, if anybody uh, wants to yeah, go for a coffee or uh, wants to know where to find me in real life, that is where I am. So uh, yeah, more than happy to connect. Fantastic. And Tom, where can the people find you? Yeah, I uh, probably LinkedIn's the best place. I'm posting uh, every single day uh, about sales uh, and some of the tips that you heard today. So Tom Malamo on LinkedIn and uh, DM me. My DMs are open. Fantastic. Well, this concludes the end of our show. Thank you so much to everyone for tuning in. Thank you so much, Hannah and Tom, for joining us. This has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you to our audience. This chat has been phenomenal. Drop in all these tips for objections. I love to see it. So thank you guys so much for tuning in and we will catch you all on the next one. See you later.